flesh with my brother on Friday, and he said somebody had preached in their church last week, and, and he said something so profound. He said, um, it was, this person said, they quoted that scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Well, don't seek after the things that the, the heathens seek after. People who don't know God go out pursuing um, success in a worldly sense, um, whatever that looks like. He said, don't seek after that and don't pursue after that and don't set that as the affection of your heart. But seek first the kingdom of God. It's God and his ways of doing things and put him first. Then all these things will be added to you. But he said this, what's really going on in your heart? <laughs> Are you putting, okay, I'm going to put God first because I actually really want all these things. And only you will know that. Only you and the Father will know what's really going on in here. But it doesn't work like that. There's a principle of when you put first things first, you get the second things as well. But when you put second things first, even if it's secretly in your heart, you lose both the second and the first thing. Dan was speaking about not being a dysfunctional family in the spirit. A functional family, properly functioning, is a family that puts first things first, not so that I can get the second thing but because first things belong first. And that's a right order and it's a right alignment. God has spoken to us to this over the years. He's taught us this principle. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about the other things. They'll be added to you. So God, give us grace to have that real conversation in our hearts. Honest. Honesty. Truth and honesty is the key of liberty. When we don't have an honest conversation in our hearts with God, we lock ourselves up and our potential up. But when we can be honest, brutally honest before God, because we're not scared because his grace is enough for any real conversation. When we have that honest conversation with God and we say, Lord, I think I'm seeking actually the second things first, but I want to be one that can say I'm truly seeking your kingdom first. Can you help me? I humble myself under your mighty hand. Can you make me one who really seeks your kingdom first and really that's secondary thank you it's great to be blessed in the worldly things but actually what is your what is your heart god thank you so much come on if you came here to be comforted <laughs> what hey when you're in his presence god um uh what's it he, he comforts oh, i can't remember now yeah he well he's he really doesn't want to just make us convenient and comfortable Christians. He wants us to grow up. Amen. Last week we spoke about discipline. I want to just finish off uh, Hebrews 12. I think there's some stuff in there for us. Uh, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go and have a look um, on our um, uh, Facebook page. or on uh, Where are we on? Which platform? iTunes, um, SoundCloud. Uh, it's on there and I think it'll help us because... We, we kind of live in, a, in an environment where there's all kinds of confusion that somehow God is like us and that uh, God really isn't wanting to offend anybody and, and that he's so insecure that if we get the wrong thoughts about him, that he, he, he kind of wants to change. God is absolutely safe and secure in who he is. How many of you know that? So when you look at discipline, it is actually God's validation of sons and daughters. If you, if you do not want the discipline of God, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, you act like somebody who wants to be without a, a father. You're the one that does that, not God. God disciplines those he loves. He loves you and me. 
And so discipline, let's have a look at verse 10. I'm going to read the ESV and then I'll, I'll come back to the passion. But I want to read right through the chapter. But just listen to these words of encouragement, okay, for us as we're growing up. For they, our parents, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. For the moment, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. That's a real encouragement to me. And make straight paths for your feet. So what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. He's talking about Mount Sinai when they came out of Egypt. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. We're not like that. Now listen to this. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if, you, if they did not escape, the guys in the Old Testament did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more, I will sh not shake only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of all things that are shaken. That is, things that are made and that have been made, in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, you look at that beautiful picture. There's a sense of we're living in a day and age where, as I said last week, I'll remind us that, that people have made God like us. You know, God's like us. He's, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You can live however you want to. All of a sudden, the family unit as God designed it in the Garden of Eden uh, with um, uh, Adam and Eve and, and, and uh, sexuality, male and female. We can change that. Somehow, God's changed over the years and now we can have whatever gender you want and, and all of a sudden, homosexuality is fine. And, and all of a sudden, God's looking like us. Am I right or wrong? That's what's happened. We just, we reduce God so that we can make him like us and then we don't have to change because God's changed, we haven't. And, and I read this and I think God disciplined the Old Testament nation of Israel when he did what? Joshua 23, 7. He warns them, he says, listen, when you come into that land that I promised you, don't take on their gods. 
Don't take on their gods. Now, we might say, well, I don't have any gods, uh, you know, in our, in, in our home. Uh, on Friday, celebrating with Jordan, went to a restaurant, and there's this big Buddha, you know, and, and you realize now that's a, a picture. It's, it symbolizes something. It's just a, a metal thing or a wooden thing, but it's not the wooden thing it has got the problem. It's the spirit that it represents. It has an ideology. It has a spiritual power attached to it to those who give themselves to it. Now, when you come into places, uh, people have not got gods. We don't have gods in our houses. I hope not. But there are ideologies. There are, there are demonic strongholds that come through cultures that are anti-God. They don't look to God. And he's saying this, when you come into those places, don't take on those gods, ideology, thinking, behavior, and beliefs so you become like them. Lest I come and discipline you. Come on. Now, now, what does it look like? That's what I'm saying, friends. We're living in a world when you think of religion and you think of politics, a, sp- a political spirit, they're in agreement around this. We want to control people to make them look like those who control. God never wants to control you. That's why in the garden he gave them a choice. Anybody, the most beautiful dictator in the world could have been God. Because he's always wants our best. He could have just made us do what he wanted. Because it's the best. How many of you know, we're never going to find out there was something better than God. He could have done that, but he didn't. Because to be like God means we get to choose. He's not a benevolent or a kind dictator. He's a father that makes you like him and gives you choice. So when you and I come into his kingdom, he wants to set us free from religion, which is control. A set of behaviors that if you do them, God will bless you. That's control. You look around the world, religion that's not based in relationship and grace is around control. Jesus loves you and me passionately. He wants the best for you. He's a father and he disciplines those he loves. If you resist his discipline, you're behaving like an orphan. He will never behave like an absent father ever. And so he's always working in us. And so when we look at the scripture and it says, those who are trained by it, they become mature. What does it mean to be trained by it? It really means to be a disciple. You see, we want disciples without discipline. I want to be, I want to be used by God, but he mustn't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want to submit to his authority. I just want him to bless me. I'm doing this for you, Jesus. You're obliged to bless me in Jesus' name. Texalox, you can't change it now. I used your name. You have to. No. No, our hearts are, Lord, what do you want? And he said this. He said, don't go into those nations. We're living in the world, friends. We can't go somewhere else. That's our thing for, for years. You find people, if they just have a little kibbutz. You know, they've got a big wall around them. They grow their own vegetables, and they kind of live free from the world. Monastery type of thinking. That's not what Jesus wanted. He said, when you I'll come to the world to do what? So that the world will turn back to the Father who created them. And he, he's going to use sons and daughters. He's going to use us to model what heaven looks like on the earth. Are you with me? Friends, can you see this picture? That's why we can't be messing around. We can't be living for ourselves. We can't be living with our blinkers on because it's more comfortable than being awake to say, what does God want? So discipline is the most beautiful thing that God does to bring you to maturity. If you don't want to be disciplined, you're saying, I don't want to understand my authentic identity as a son. We spoke last week. You don't get to choose what God uses to discipline you. Can you imagine? God says to the nation, to Israel, if you, if you take on their gods, I'm going to discipline you. Then he does what? He uses the very nation that they wanted to become like to discipline them. Why? Because he's God. 
God loves you. Now, I'm telling you, this is not a frightening thing. It's not law versus grace. This is the heart of the Father for His sons and daughters. He wants us to rule and reign with Him. Are you with me, friends? So let's just, I want to go to verse 12. So be made strong, even in your weakness, by lifting your tired hands in prayer and in worship. What does that mean when you're tired, when, you, when it feels tiring? He says, when you, when you put up your hands, like this morning, you know what you're actually doing? You're strengthening your spirit. That's really what you're doing. That's why gathering together is not just coming to a meeting on a Sunday to tick the box, I've gone to church, but it's actually together as the ecclesia, the called out ones. And then if you're tired, you lift up your hands in prayer and in worship. God, I need you. Thank you, Father, for your glory. Thank you for your grace. And you know what happens? That's how you become strong. You don't become strong by, by doing your own thing. Then how's this? It says, and strengthen your weak knees. How do you do that? <laughs> for as you keep walking on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. You know how you strengthen your weakness? Walk in God's ways. See, some people just, they, they, they keep stumbling, doing their own thing, and they say, God, strengthen me. He says, walk in my ways. You want to be healed? Walk in my ways. That's a returning, a repentance, an acknowledgement of honor who God is. And God says, I'll strengthen your feeble knees. See, some people think, oh, I can do this on my own. and wonder why we stumble all the time, all the time. You, you're weak. You just can't seem to make it. God says, just follow me. God loves us, friends. He really is shaking. He says this in the end. He's shaking everything. You see, if, if, if nations and people are aligned with demonic ideologies, they could guess what happened. Nations and people are going to be shaken. Are you convinced of that? That's so why even for us, if we say, God, I want your kingdom to come, he's going to shake you. He's going to set you free. So we can't just pretend and, and kind of, well, yeah, whatever. No, we want to live like children of God who understand the mind of God. So now, let me quickly, uh, verse 16, how's this? It says, be careful that no one among you lives in, in, uh, in, in immorality, becoming careless about God's blessings. Like Esau, who traded away his rights as the firstborn for a simple meal. Do you know the story? Esau was the firstborn. There was something about being blessed. It wasn't just a little prayer. There was something about being the firstborn. You got a double portion of inheritance. And Esau had lost sight of that because he was hungry. There was an appetite in him, a natural appetite, a temporary appetite that he couldn't delay. And he wanted his appetite now naturally fulfilled at the cost of a blessing. You know how many Christians are doing that? See, maturity is to say this, I'm, I've got appetites now, but I'm going to manage them because there's a blessing of an inheritance that God wants for me in a marriage, in a relationship, in a business. So I've got to manage my appetites. Seek you first, God. What do you want? God's not saying appetites wrong. Was he rebuking Esau for being hungry? There was nothing wrong. Hunger is part of the appetite, but it's temporary. But you know what happens? These Christians and people, they just say, well, what what?" You say that, I'm, that one day my dad's going to pray for me, I get an inheritance. I'm, gonna, I'm hungry now, I'm going to die. So just give me. And Jacob, very he says, I'll give it to you, I want your blessing. Hey, you go for it. And then he realizes dad's dead and, and I'm, I can feed myself. And boy, that soup was lacquer, but I can't remember what it was like. And, and all of a sudden I can't get what I traded away. Was he still uh, the son? Absolutely. And you see, I want to tell you, friends, sometimes there's things that God says, I want for you now. And then we just trade away a temporary desire. And that's called immaturity. Because I don't know how to manage myself. Maturity is to manage yourself. It's to learn how to say, God, 
I'm so hungry right now. I so want this. But Lord, I want what you want. You want blessing. What do you want, God? You know what happens? When you do that, you get the blessing and you get your hunger fulfilled legitimately. Come on. Even Moses. Moses, a great picture. Moses, God speaks to Moses. Now Moses, he's walking at a, a level of maturity. God says to him, speak to the rock. Moses gets frustrated and does what? He strikes the rock. God says, because you struck the rock, you won't enter in. What does Moses do? Obviously, Moses, he's heartbroken. But Moses carries on with the assignment in faithfulness because he loves God. How many of us, if God came to you and said, because of that, uh, you're not going to get your blessing. Oh, well, then there's no use me following Jesus. eh? How many people do that? But Moses, he walked and he brought the people. He fulfilled his assignment. He said to God, he said, can I just have a look? Can you just let me see? Can you just let me see with my own eyes? And God takes him up to a high place and he has a look at the, the land. And he says, wow, wow. How's that for still maturity and faithfulness? Even though God said to him, you're not entering in. I, I look at that and I think, Stu, would you do that? If God said, Stu, you, because of that thing, you can't do that. Well, would I just say, well, then, well, then what's the use of serving God? Well, stuff that, you know. Well, I'm not going to church. I tried once. It didn't work. I was part of a small group and it, it hurt me. So I'm done with church now. And then you lose the blessing of family, of ecclesia, of governing, because you just want to live with a natural appetite. Maturity is when we manage that. Do you hear God's heart? That's called discipline. One or two things more. Wow. I just, so I'm just looking for the thing that it says there. Oh, yeah, we go. Verse 23. And as members of the church, ecclesia, of the firstborn Jesus... All our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. Can I ask you, do you honestly, whether you're from Zimbabwe, from wherever, I think we've got South Africa, do you have in your mind deeply embedded, I'm first a citizen of heaven as a born-again child of God. Secondary, temporarily, I'm a citizen of South Africa because if I die, I lose my citizenship. How many of you know when you get to heaven one day, you can't pull out of the U.S. Hey, I'm, I'm from the U.S. That wherever they find us, they come and get us. It doesn't count. I was in asylum, a refugee in, in Pakistan. Um, he has my refugee status. None of that counts. This counts. My name, because I have faith in Christ, has been legally registered and I'm a citizen of heaven. That means I have full rights and privileges as a citizen to do what? To Represent the kingdom of heaven on the earth. See, that's what church is. Church isn't coming to a place on Sunday and, oh, that was nice. It was too long, too short, too high, too hot, too cold. Like we Goldilocks Christians. And we're just looking for a place that's just nice. But no, we are about ambassadors doing the will of the Father. That's why it takes maturity to delay some appetites. Hey, man, God, thank you for sexual appetites. But Lord, there's marriage. I'm going to have a blessing in marriage by managing myself now. Oh, no, God will understand. We just love one another. Grace, God, it's okay. We're trading blessing for a natural temporary appetite fulfillment. Maturity. Jesus took 12 boys. Young men. And he didn't go and say, how can I make you comfortable? The first apostles, just, I'm here from heaven. I just want you guys to be comfortable. It's been rough being Israelites. You know, all the pressure from the Romans and just the quietness for the last 400 years. I'm sorry, but 
what can I do to help you boys? Why don't you guys do it? I mean, really. I know some of you Pharisees are like really having trouble with the Sadducees. I mean, what can I do to help you guys? I'm here, what do you guys want? No, he came and he called them. He said, come, follow me. Where are we going? I didn't tell, do you want to follow me? Yes, Lord. And I want to tell you, following Jesus was not comfortable. (laughs) It isn't comfortable. But yet here we are. Oh yeah, that's what I wanted to say earlier. God disturbs the comfortable and he comforts the disturbed. (laughs) That's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So here we go. I want to say, friends, to be disciples of Jesus is not that God's coming to bless you and to make your life comfortable, but it's for you to be comforted by the Holy Spirit so you could be free and see Him and become like Him, that all the hardness of your life could be smashed so that the fruit of who you truly are can be manifest on the earth and that you can begin to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. That's called warfare. How you live tomorrow, warfare, I'm living from heaven to earth. I learned to say no. That's why I'm going to stand. And, and you, you maybe sometimes it's weak. You, you, shoot, it's, it's very hard at school. You know, you want to strengthen your life at school. Walk in God's paths. You'll find strength. Don't think, don't use grace as an excuse. Friends, that's, we've, many people have done that. It's a cop out. Jesus, full of grace, did not use it as an excuse. His grace empowered people to live differently because they were brand new creations and he was convinced of that. Are you convinced of that? Okay, as citizens of it, we've come to God uh, who judges everything and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. That's who we are, new covenant. But I want to tell you, for some reason, we just think while we're in grace, we can just live for ourselves. That's, that's, a, that's an indictment on the revelation of who Jesus is and who you are. That's why God's calling us to maturity. I want to give you an inheritance. Why gathering is so important. Why we got to fight certain stuff that wants to control and come and bring stuff that we, we can't think, oh, it's just, you know, natural. No, it's not. We've got to see a spiritual climate of, of an antichrist spirit that hates you, wants to destroy you and kill you. So we've got to learn to stand and say, God, I'm going to obey you. Doesn't matter what it costs me. Didn't come to make me comfortable. Okay. And then I want to close with this. Make sure that you never refuse, now I'm reading in the Passion, to listen to God when He speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. He didn't, remember last week I said He didn't get saved in the 400 years. He wasn't a meanie in the Old Testament, now he's a goodie. He's the same God, the God who loves it. God disciplines those He loves. He's the same God that spoke from Sinai and He spoke to them and they were afraid. He's the same God. He doesn't want us to be, oh, 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 God, I don't care. Please, no, not like that. I come boldly before you, but we must treat him as God. Don't refuse. Don't, well, God, no, that's so hard. I thought you were kind and nice. Why? Look, everyone else seems to be having fun but me. And I know why. I want to see this immaturity. Lord, I'll do your will. What do you want? Don't refuse him, okay? Those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse him to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? He's not speaking from a mountain. He's speaking from the heaven. Come on. We can't make him just be a God who's not going to do anything now. Oh, it's okay. Who do you serve? 
I served Jehovah. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Doesn't matter how it's just Jehovah. Oh, it's okay. It's the new name of God now. No, there is no such thing. The earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain. But now he's promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. I love that. That sounds much more understandable. So don't align with the unseen gods of this world and don't fall into the systems of this world without thinking about it. We're in this world. You have to go to work tomorrow. Well, you don't have to. You just won't get paid. But whatever you choose, you're free. But if I'm in the system, live differently. Does it make sense? Live differently. He's shaking everything. The systems of control and, 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 and cruelty and corruption. When we're praying for our nation, Lord, will you smash division? Would you smash hatred? Would you smash racism, xenophobia? Whatever we word we want to give to it and bring unity. Lord, there's no poverty in heaven. Would you bring abundance? It can only happen when there's a generous heart and we understand that if you bless, it doesn't mean that I've got nothing. That's what heaven looks like. Jesus emptied himself and gave us everything. And somehow as Christians, we just don't want anybody else to be blessed. Come on. That's why you have corrupt people when they get into government. They don't want to give it over. And I, all I can see, all I can see is Desmond Tutu saying at a press conference, ANC government, remember 30 years ago, we prayed to get out the apartheid government. Don't think we won't pray to get you out. And I'm thinking to myself, the church somehow, we just don't know what to do anymore. Oh, with the church, we just go to church on Sunday. We're just going to do churchy things. What does Jesus do? He comes to the earth to establish a governmental reality of heaven on earth, looking for ambassadors, citizens, sons and daughters who are going to recognize what he's doing and start manufacturing or mimicking it on the earth, resisting all the stuff that wants to just make us placid. Jesus was not intimidated. He's looking for sons and daughters who are going to not be intimidated. Okay, I'm I'm done with the last little verse. Now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is, the old order. (laughs) So only what is unshakable will remain. I'll just make a statement if you believe that there's a nefarious new world order or not. There are people that hate you. They do not want God's kingdom to come. That's why they, they, they smash against the family segment. It's a basic building block. That's why it's not hard. Male and female. God God did not complicate it. It was so simple. Even if you take a chromosome, it's easy to see if you're a male or female. It's not hard. Come on. That's how God made it. But yet, you see the systems. And and why? Because we don't have families. We, We make the family different. Two men cannot produce offspring. Two women can't produce offspring. That means they can't fulfill what God told in the garden. But no, we're going to change God's not like it anymore. All of a sudden, God's just changed his mind. He says he's going to shake everything until what's unshakable will remain. What will remain? Truth, his kingdom, his righteousness. Since we are receiving rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God, listen to this, this is where I'm ending. Maybe, no, I am. The purest worship that delights his heart. You want to know what the purest worship is? As we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe, for our God is a holy, devouring fire. I don't know about you, friends. That's all he's asking me. Just fully surrender in awe of who he is and do what he wants. Amen.
Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, Jesus, that we're not on our own trying to work out something. But Jesus, that we are born again of incorruptible seed when we receive Jesus as our Savior. When we're not trying to be good or we're not trying to be proudful, but we have surrendered knowing that we are sinners lost without Jesus. And then when you came, you've declared us righteous and now we are, we are new creations. Lord, we have a righteousness reality. There is an eternal righteousness if you declared over us. But Lord, while we're on the earth, there's work to do. There is a manifestation of an unseen realm by walking in a way that, that shows what heaven looks like. God, that's our purpose. That's our responsibility. So I want to thank you for this tribe. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking into every heart. God, I'm thanking you for shaking all of our lives. God, help us to let go of the things you're shaking and to hold on to the things that we have.